You're listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your hosts, Christy and Scott. Hey, it's Old Tiny Crimey. I'm Christy. I'm Scott. And I'm Amber. And I'm going to tell them a story about a crime and they know nothing about it. Oh, it's so exciting. Just like a lot of the police we talk about, they know yeah. nothing about it. <laughs> that That's is absolutely correct. Very true. Now, I'm actually, I'm going to save my sources for the end because they kind of might spoil a little something. Um, so uh, remind me if I forget, but I put in big red pen sources at the end of my notes. So this is about William Duff Armstrong. Now, he was born in 1833 in Illinois, but the story actually starts a couple years before he was born. It starts around 1831 in New Salem, as I said, Illinois, and there's this group of rowdy guys. They're called the Clary's Grove Boys. Everybody in the area knows them. They love to fight. They love to drink, and they are especially proud of their wrestling prowess. The Clary Boys, they love three things in life, food, fun, and fisting. <laughs> George, George, just say fighting. Fisting. <laughs> so they always said we're the absolute best wrestlers in town and we can hit harder than anyone in the whole state of Illinois. And the leader of the Clary's Grove Boys was Jack Armstrong, age 28. And he was kind of known as the real tough guy in town. You know, he was that guy. Um, they weren't always necessarily bullies. They could be generous and everything, but you know there there was a, a a nice side to their toughness. But they were very proud of that toughness. I know this story, and I want to scream things that are spoilers, but I'm gonna keep my fucking mouth shut. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> so, as Scott apparently knows, in 1831, a young man moves to town. He's 22 years old. He's a strapping 6'4", 185-pound gentleman. And his name is Abraham Lincoln. And or, he is a tough son of a bitch. He is a tough son of a bitch. And if you look at the pictures drawn, like, you know, the, the basic artist rendition of the event I'm about to tell you about, he's Abraham Lincoln. He, Let me tell you. I'm telling you, he's like MCU Abraham Lincoln. He's mutant level strong. Yeah, yeah. So he's working as a shop clerk um, in Denton's, no, sorry, in Denton Offit's store. And Offit just loves this guy. He brags about Lincoln all the time and says he can whip any man in town. Well, Jack Armstrong, he hears about this and he's smaller than Lincoln, but he's very experienced in the wrestling. He's very strong. He hears this and he's like, all right, well, let's see about that. So Lincoln's like, all right, challenge accepted. I mean, I'm, I'm way taller than you and I'm, I'm going to whoop you. So everyone flocked to the fight. Uh, Offit put $10 on Lincoln, which is $308 in today's money. And I'm going to quote from a, a R.J. Norton on the Abraham Lincoln research site, uh, the, a description of the, the wrestling match. Because uh, And there, there are multiple ways that this could have happened. But this one, uh, it seems to be fairly accepted. 
For a time, the two scufflers circled each other warily. They did some grappling and twisting, but neither man could throw the other to the ground. Slowly, Armstrong began to get the worst of it. Finally, Lincoln grabbed the bully by the neck, held him at arm's length, and shook him like a little boy. This aroused the Clary's Grove boys, and it suddenly appeared Lincoln might be attacked by an entire crowd of people. He backed up against the wall of Offutt's store and offered to take them on one at a time. <laughs> Lincoln's strength was no joke. Like there were there were stories about him lifting like world record level amounts of weight. Yeah, he he was really something. And Jack Armstrong, he actually saw this. He wasn't offended. He wasn't upset. He saw this show of bravery, and he, you know, when when everybody was about to take try to take on Lincoln, Jack Armstrong walks up and shakes Lincoln's hand, and he says. Boys, Abe Lincoln is the best fellow that ever broke into this settlement. He shall be one of us. So there are other versions of this story that have it come. The the match comes to a draw or Armstrong wins, but later admits that it wasn't really fair the way he won. So there's a couple different ways it could have gone down. um, And it actually became sort of a meme uh, when it was, you know, came into the public consciousness that Abraham Lincoln had uh, so much prowess in wrestling matches. Uh, it, there was a, a meme going around of Abraham Lincoln with one of the you know, wrestling championship belts over his shoulder. <laughs> so <laughs> now Armstrong and Lincoln, they became the best of friends. Lincoln, he was a single guy. And apparently this is how it was for single guys back then. They didn't have a home. They, they wouldn't have a home until they found a wife. So he would just, you know, bed down in the tavern or he would, you know, sleep in the general store and he would eat with a nearby family, probably the Armstrongs. And in the Black Hawk War, Armstrong was actually a sergeant under Captain Lincoln. So finally, we get to the actual subject of this tale. It's William Duff Armstrong. Jack and Hannah have their their son, William, uh, in 1833. Lincoln was over there all the time. He was he was cradling William. He was they, they had him for meals. He would bring candy for the kids. He told them stories. He went to their parties. Uh, one time when Lincoln got some buckskins as payment for some work he had completed, Hannah took them and she made them into pants for him. That's a so, weird that's a weird salary. That's, yeah. that's something you wouldn't get nowadays. <laughs> Here, here! Great job working. You, you made the top sales for the East Coast, Scott. Uh, well, what's my what's my benefit pay here? Fourteen buckskins. <laughs> I, I had a hell of an accident on two nineteen, and um, yeah, this is how I'm getting rid of the evidence. <laughs> you know what? Though, like, I feel like that would still be better than a pizza party. I. It all depends on the condition of the buckskins. It's like if you're shaking them and like ticks are just falling out, it's like, I'll just have a slice of pizza. Thanks. But if they're good enough, you can make them into pants. That's exactly (laughs) what I want to do. Wear a bunch of buckskin pants. Actually, (laughs) shorts. Buckskin shorts. You get more (laughs) shorts out of them. I'm willing to bet you could get three pairs of shorts out of the same amount of cloth that you would have like one pair of buckskin pants. Yeah, you might be right. I don't know. We'll have to have somebody like make buckskin clothing for us just to see how far the cloth goes. I'm a fat new guy. weird project. I'm a fat guy. We're gonna have to find some pretty large deer. 
<laughs> so Lincoln spent about six years in this area. And over time, he would do some soldiering. As I mentioned, he ended up owning the general store, ran for state assembly, worked as a postmaster, land surveyor, and rail splitter, started reading law, and did some odd jobs. And this guy is starting to make me feel lazy. And yes, I know it's Abraham Lincoln. He would make anybody feel lazy, but still. Yeah, <gasps> fucking Teddy Roosevelt sitting on his ass all day long. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> So now we come to the crime in Macon County, Illinois, on August 29th, 1857. Uh, so Duff is, uh, oh, hang on, I have to do math, 24. Um, there's a drunken brawl. Uh, it seems like maybe Duff uh, might take after his father a little bit. He's said to have struck uh, one James Preston Metzger on the back of his head with what's called a slung shot which is just a weight tied to a long cord. It, some people say it's like a flail or a blackjack. Uh, Metzger does get up on his horse and ride away, but then ends up falling off his horse and he dies. This is my beaten string. <laughs> <laughs> so in early September, not too long after this, Jack Armstrong died. So Lincoln hears about all the happenings and he writes to Hannah, quote, I have just heard of your deep affliction and the arrest of your son for murder. I can hardly believe that he can be capable of the crime alleged against him. It does not seem possible. I am anxious that he should be given a fair trial at any rate, and gratitude for your long-continued kindness to me in adverse circumstances prompts me to offer my humble services gratuitously in his behalf. It will afford me an opportunity to requite, in a small degree, the favors I received at your hand and that oh, of your lamented oh. husband. Oh, that sounds dirty. <laughs> it does actually the favors i received at your hand let me Bouch. repay the favors i received at your hand because for a second there i was like you think he's boning hannah and then as soon as you said that i'm like oh he's boning hannah i just picture <laughs> hannah like in fucking tears receiving this letter and just like sniffs a couple times and reaches for the thesaurus on the shelf <laughs> <laughs> continuing on <laughs> And that of your of your lamented husband, when your roof afforded me a grateful shelter without money and without price. So he's basically saying, I'll do this pro bono. Amber, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so the main witness to this uh, attack was a man named Charles Allen. And he said, I saw the whole thing happen. And. Lincoln cross-examines him and gets him to tell him, like, every detail. And it's starting to really not look good for Duff. So Lincoln's like, okay, so how far away were you? And Alan said, well, I was 150 feet away. Lincoln then goes on, well, how could you see so clearly from such a distance at night? And Alan replies, by the light of the moon, it was as high as the sun at 10 in the morning. So Lincoln is like, hmm. And he gets an almanac and uses something called judicial notice, which is where you can bring a fact into the evidence that's something that's well known or a proven fact. You don't have to have it come from a witness or from an exhibit or something like that. Uh, and the almanac shows that the moon on that date was only in the first quarter and it was low on the horizon, nearly set when the murder occurred. Uh, okay. so I, I was going to say, when, when you said the distance thing, I was like, I've seen this in my cousin Vinny. <laughs> wonder where they got that and how dirty was that window <laughs> and then abraham lincoln goes how is it that your grits take so much quicker of a time to cook than everybody else's grits <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's funny. That's exactly what's in my script. That's yeah. what he said. Yeah. <laughs> so some other coups on Lincoln's part. He got another witness to say that he was holding the blackjack at the time of the attack. He has a doctor testify that the injuries could have uh, come from a fall off the horse. And then he gives his closing remarks. And one attendee says, quote, the last 15 minutes of his speech was as eloquent as I ever heard. And such the power and earnestness with which he spoke, that jury and all, sat as if entranced. And when he was through, found relief in a gush of tears. I have never seen such mastery exhibited over the feelings and emotions of men as on that occasion. Have you ever heard of Lincoln's lost speech? No. There is a speech that Lincoln gave that we don't know what it is because every reporter there was so entranced that they dropped their pencils and just listened. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It sounds like he even brought the jury to tears, which when you do that, the prosecuting counsel is just like, oh, crap. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think legitimately as a president that he was the one that had the best words. He did have the best words, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Honestly, I think that the only person that could ever probably come close to Lincoln's oration skills, and he wasn't president. I think he would have been. Robert F. Kennedy was, was a hell of an orator. Uh, if you ever get the chance, he is, he is credited with uh, keeping, keeping uh, riots from breaking out whenever Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Uh, he was amazing. Everybody should have to memorize the speech that RFK gave in Indiana uh, on the day that, uh, that Martin Luther King was assassinated. And it, it'll bring you to tears. And he's, he's essentially telling the crowd, I understand you're upset. I understand that you want vengeance. You see, but you have to remember my brother was murdered too. And just you hear the crowd and there's there, you just hear the crowd go, Oh yeah, we remember. And it is, it is incredible and moving. Listen to the speech whenever you have the chance. And that wasn't even a really like, prepared remarks or anything. His speechwriter came up to him as, you know, they were headed to the this area where he was going to give the speech and said, you know, I have some remarks for you. And RFK was just like, no, I know exactly what I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. And it is it is chilling to listen to RFK speak. No two ways about it. And apparently it was very chilling to listen to uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, because Duff Armstrong was acquitted. And someone asked him, you know, they said or someone asked Lincoln, they said, how much is the family going to pay you for this? And he said, quote, you ought to know me better than to think I'd take a fee from any of Jack Armstrong's blood. Why, bless your soul, I've danced that boy on my knee a hundred times in the long winter's nights by his father's fire. Just a great man. Just yeah. really, truly. Just a nice, just... He had a big... He had a huge heart. I bet so, he had other organs that were huge, too. Speaking of that, when he was elected... <laughs> well, Amber do, we actually, have, do we have penis size on Abraham Lincoln? Not, but Amber actually kind of... Uh, she, she guessed at a, a little joke that comes along here. Lincoln is elected, and... Uh, Hannah Armstrong goes to see him before he's headed off to brown uh, chicken, brown cow <laughs> before he's headed off to be president. And she says uh, in, that, quote, the boys got up a story on me that I went to get to sleep with Abe. And so she just goes to them. 
it's not every woman who has the good fortune and high honor of sleeping with a president. And she said that, that shut him down, basically. <laughs> so I think there were some good senses of humor around there, too. Uh, Duff Armstrong. <laughs> Duff Armstrong would get some more help while he was serving for the Union in the Civil War. He got very sick and Hannah uh, communicated with Lincoln and Lincoln arranged a discharge. Uh, he did. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he did. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, Duff Armstrong married in... Duff Armstrong married in 1864. He had five children. He did survive his illness and the Civil War. He died in 1899 at age 66. He's buried in New Hope Cemetery in Macon County, Illinois. His grave has a plaque standing next to it with his name on it. And then it says, quote, accused slayer of Preston Metzger, May 7th, 1858, freed by Lincoln in Almanac trial. So uh, then as far as Lincoln's wrestling goes, we don't know how many matches he had. Uh, there were some, you know, in that meme and everything, some people were saying he was undefeated or something like that. We do know that he did uh, win a majority of them. He would he would reminisce about his wrestling days. And uh, it's not an exact quote, probably, but he, he did say something like this to a crowd. He said, I'm the big buck of this lick. If any of you want... <laughs> If any of you want to try it, come on and wet your horns. Well, <laughs> damn, son. <laughs> oh, you think you're going to stick your dick in me? Um, My dick is going horns. in you instead. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. In 1992. <laughs> That meme was actually partially right. The National Wrestling Hall of Fame, which is traditional wrestling, not the, you know, the TV and the, you know, all that stuff, WWE stuff. Um, he gave, they gave Lincoln the Outstanding American Award, which has also been given to some other wrestlers who like two presidents, George Washington, William Howard Taft, and of course, Teddy Roosevelt. God help him. <laughs> Swear to God, but, that would be a tag team like no other. Roosevelt and Lincoln, Jesus Christ! Yeah, you not better pray dry, for your soul. Not a dry seat in the house. <laughs> oh God! But none of those outstanding American wrestlers who liked a president have a mural depicting their most famous fight which is the one with Jack Armstrong uh, taking up a wall in the lobby of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. This is known as the Lincoln Lobby. Mm -hmm. And Lincoln is built. So uh, I'm going to give my sources. Uh, Library of Congress, Judson Hale on the Old Farmer's Almanac, Wikipedia, John Simkin on Spartus Educational, R.J. Norton on the Abraham Lincoln Research Site, Dan Yvonne on Snopes and the website, Mr. Lincoln and friends. So yeah, the sources would have kind of given it away. <laughs> so I really want somebody to draw me a, a portrait of a shirtless ripped Lincoln. With oh, like a tiger in a headlock. Like, yeah, I can't, I can't do the tiger, but I did save my links. I saved links to the pictures I was talking about because I need to prove it to you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can you see it? That's uh, that's fun. <laughs> that is not how you picture Lincoln. No, it really isn't. We'll put these pictures up on the social media for your for your pleasure. <laughs> how are his pants staying up? It looks like they're tied in the front. 
That's probably, probably were. He probably he didn't get enough buckskin to make a belt too. <laughs> so, all right, that is the story of William Duff Armstrong and how he was saved from probably the noose by one Abraham Lincoln. All because Lincoln beat his dad in a wrestling match. I know, right? <laughs> let's let's not let's not forget. Lincoln won a debate once just by ripping his opponent's shirt open. Okay, what? Yeah. There was a there was a political opponent, uh, Democrat Colonel Edmund Dick Taylor, uh, <laughs> and uh, his middle name was very earned. Um, Taylor he he loved to to pick on Lincoln, and he said he had arist uh, aristocratic proclivities. And, aristocratic? Uh, yes, thank you. Aristocratic proclivities. Uh, and instead of debating Colonel Dick, uh, Lincoln waited until he was on stage, and uh, he came up behind him and ripped open his vest to reveal a fancy ruffled shirt and a massive gold chain. <laughs> nice. Mm -hmm. Oh, Lincoln all the way through. Damn straight. Well, thank you guys for listening to this old tiny crimey. These are, are we are releasing them weekly. Normally it's restricted to patrons, but we thought we'd give you guys a little something extra during this particularly interesting time in history. So uh, we will see you again on Friday with our regular episode and have a great day. Bye. Bye. Bye.